Hello and welcome to Learning from Legends with me, Peter Switzer. And this week's legend is the Beechworth baker, Tom O'Toole. Born by the Murray River and he spent his early days in a tent, Tom reckons he failed kindergarten, became a baker and had a challenging life until a near-death experience changed his attitude, his success in business and his life. And now he has a multi-million dollar business and before the coronavirus, he could easily have earned over a million dollars a year on the speaking circuit, talking to large audiences here and around the world. Well, I took my family to see Tom speak many years ago when we were growing our business in its infancy. My grown-up children couldn't believe Tom's on-stage antics, but they came away powered up wanting to grow our business. Let me introduce you to Tom O'Toole. Tom O'Toole, thanks for joining us on Learning from Legends. Uh, good to see you again, Peter. No, good to be here. Thank yeah. you. Now, for, for an audience who might not have heard of the legend who is Tom O'Toole, um, I'm going to try and get in a nutshell, Tom, but it's not easy. But the bottom line, I always remember your story because you know, I, I discovered you on the speaking circuit probably in the, the 1990s and you're a weird kind of guy who'd been a baker and your wife had left you, you put a gun to your mouth, you end up on Lifeline helping other people who had, I guess, depression issues and stuff like that. And you used to go talking to help people and then people heard you talking and thought, hey, this guy's not a dope. He's actually a very good speaker. He's got a lot of good things to say. Is that a fair summary, Tom? Yeah, it is, it is. There were people there to help me, so I just gave back. And then it just got out of control and companies and industries and communities wanted me and and then I got into paid speaking because I couldn't control it. I was doing free talks all over the place because, yeah, I got credited for turning Beechworth around from years ago when it was a town that was dying. And, yeah, so, and I had a story and... And I'm in business, still in business today, but I had a real business, which is um, uh, a little bit different than a lot of speakers. So I had a bit of, yeah. I had a story, I suppose, and there was a lot of people there to help me. So I just gave back and, and, and you know, I've been in business since I was 21 and yeah. I'm dyslexic. I'm very, very dyslexic. I'm uh, um, so- A lot uh, of great people have been dyslexic as well. Oh. I tell you, it's not much fun at times, I can tell you. But anyway, but and so that's why people, I have no education, no schooling of education. I failed kindergarten. And so that's why people got me to come along. They thought, if this guy can do it in business, anyone can. So, uh, and you know, I've did it in regional Australia. I've always been, I'm a country boy and always been in the country, yes. Yeah. Tom, I'm, I'm going to try and do a number of things because... I do want to explain to people how significant you you um, became. I know you, you're not a boaster, but I'm going to make you boast by just simply answering questions. So, Beechworth itself as a bakery, what what's the the biggest um, taking you ever done? I guess in a year in one bakery. Oh, in a year, I wouldn't have a. Oh, oh gee, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. Give us some numbers again. Say four million, maybe around. But we are totally retail, so we sell pies and cakes, sandwiches, coffee. Yeah, you know, we are. Our product is no different than anybody else's. Really, it's it's our service. It's our 
it's our people that make the difference. And uh, yeah, so I've even wrote a recipe book. So the recipes are out there. Okay. Uh, Remember, we're going to work out why it's worked for you. But I want for people who don't know you as, as well as I do, how many bakeries do you have now? We have eight bakeries and, uh, you know, we're turning over uh, 18 million. Uh, that's cash over the counter. We don't do any wholesale and uh, uh, it's all retail and uh, which in regional Australia, which is pretty incredible. We, we uh, so uh, that's sort of unheard of and it's, and, and um, they're not franchised. Uh, we are, Family owned. Uh, there's myself today, and and Marty Matazzoni and his wife. Um, Marty runs the place. He's the managing director. I'm just I'm just a grey-haired old man today. I own fifty percent of the business, but uh, uh, today I've just at the thirtieth of June I have sold, uh, and so now I've got fifty percent of the business. So. Okay. Um, now, and what I find fascinating, a lot of people would find it fascinating. So. In a sense, you were a baker by trade. You, you, you learned how to grow your first bakery in Beechworth brilliantly. I'm, I'm going to get back to how you did that because a lot of start people will be watching this and they'll be curious how a bloke with no education, clearly not good looking, B, <laughs> uh, but it was a baker who had a lot of sort of family issues he had to deal with. He was able to rise above it and build a great bakery and then use that model and take it elsewhere. But at, at the, the peak of your business speaking as a consequence, how many speeches a year were you doing? I was doing uh, uh, probably a little bit in excess of 100 a year. Yeah. And, this uh, is a guy who, 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 he won't admit to it, but we're at least being in 10 grand a speech. So you would have been taking a million dollars just out opening your big mouth and telling people they did so well. I had agents and that, but the thing is, <laughs> look, uh, bakery is far better than speaking because you get an income everywhere. But speaking, if you don't speak, you don't get paid. And also, uh, speaking nearly sent me broke because I'm out there helping everybody else and taking my eye off the business. And not a it's not a good way to run a business, really. Uh, so. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so, yeah, so speaking was great. I must admit, I'm sure speaking, I got into speaking really to not, no, I didn't want to get into speaking. I was just helping people, but I got in to get out of the road of my people. For, for my business to grow, I had to go. I had to get out of the way. And speaking gave me something to put my energy into. And I let my people grow. I still was there, I'd, and, but but I kept out of their way. And they made a lot of mistakes, cost me a lot of money, but but they ended up, and especially Marty, he had 7% share of the business, and now he has 50%, he got, got up to 25%. But by me going into speaking, it gave them a chance. And look, I ran on chaos, not a good way to run a business. They run on systems and procedures, and, uh, and, and that's how it's gone. Okay. You often used to talk about your speeches about seagull managers. Oh, yeah, I was a seagull manager, Tom. Well, look, I honestly, I was a shocker. I'd, I'd come in, crap on everybody, make lots of noise, and then I'd leave. And they'd be destroyed and, uh, you know, uh, not a good way. Uh, now, I'd, you know, 
I look, I learned a lot. You know, I had one business. I've been in business since 21 and I ruled on fear. I was a real seagull manager. I would come in, crap on everybody, make lots of noise. Oh, I'm good at my, and, and then I would just leave. But um, I look today, I can tell you, catch them doing something right. They love it. They, they do 99 things right, one thing wrong, and you want to rip their heads off. You know, uh, don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what I'm doing right. And it's very hard. Even with your own kids, it's very hard. Catch them doing something right. They love it. Yeah. Well, I was lucky, Tom, in the sense that, as you know, um, I was on the speaking circuit with you. I emceed a lot of really good quality speakers like you. And I, and I guess you you were the same. You would listen to other people in the speaking circuit. I learned stuff from people like you. Did you learn stuff in that period when you were on the speaking circuit? And, and maybe you, you, you did more reading, even though you probably have to do listening because you can't read because you're, you're dyslexic. I can read. I can read. Fairly good. I have no idea how to use a calculator. Don't know how many times. To, just learned my phone number this year. Learned my phone number. I'm very pleased. Sometimes I panic. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so... Did you learn things about, say, yes. systemising your business? Yes. You know, in contrast to yourself, I remember the stuff I learned, I'd look at myself and say, well, you know, I, I thought, because everyone thought I was a business guru, and that I knew everything. But all of a sudden, I realised I didn't know a real lot, particularly when I started learning about, you know, listening to Michael Gerber talking about systemising businesses and what looking at companies like McDonald's who are run by friggin' teenagers, sorry, by teenagers as one of the most successful businesses in the world because the systems are so good. True. Look, at uh, age 32, when my wife left, I was in Beechworth Bakery and she, and when she left, I fell madly in love with her. Yeah, I just took her for granted when she was there. But, and uh, I got a lot of help with life. I'm very uh, suicidal and all that and probably a bit homicidal. But anyway, I, um, I, I went to Michael Gerber. I went to Brian Tracy. I went to all these, uh, listened. I sat there and I took heaps of notes. But trouble when you go to a speaker and you take heaps of the idea is to go back in a month or six months, two months, and review, re, look over them notes and think, wow. And don't try and do everything. Just pick out a couple of things. And that's how I learned to grow my business. I had one business and it was just a small mum and pop show and I wanted to grow my business. And I grew by, uh, you know, read, read something that'll help you. And so I got into reading, I can read, and, and I, I, I got into reading Gerber and all the rest of them and, and I took out stuff. But my head takes it a little bit different, but I thought, wow, that's a great idea. But, you know, and I learned, you know, like catch your stuff doing something good, but don't blame them, train them. Don't blame them, train them. And that's what lots of us do in small business. We don't train them. We don't spend that money in training them. Yeah, but one, one bloke at a conference, I think I was there, said to you, but Tom, what's the point training these days? Oh, yes. Guess, and then yeah. they leave you. They leave you. What if you don't train them and they, and they stay? And that's what lots of us do in small business. Uh, you know, um, I do, yeah, what if you don't train them? And they say, and that's what lots do. Lots of us in small business have got people in there that are not trained and it's just hurting your business. So train them, don't blame them. And we spend a lot on training. That's a big part of our success. Uh, our, our, our businesses are, some of them are hundreds of kilometres apart, 
and and they can run without uh, they they take that ownership. My staff take that ownership and and make them successful, which is pretty incredible. Uh, they've got no skin in the game. They're, it's it's just it's a family owned business that they're not family. They're they're people that are like family they've just taken it on because we've trained them they know that there's a, a, a career there there's management there's supervisors there's, there's uh, foreman people you know there's there's different areas of level but most people uh, stay in their comfort zone but uh, a lot of people don't want to be owners they don't uh, you know they yeah, but, uh, yeah look we, we have a great team we have but, a great yeah well I first got to know you and it made me think Okay, he, he says to me he's not very smart. And despite his lack of smartness, he's built a fantastic business. And so you're very self-deprecating, Tom. But I think you're a, you're a great thinker outside the square. And you can tell me whether you agree or not. But one of the first stories I learned from you was that you recognised that country television was really cheap in the mornings. And you, you took out like TV ads yeah. for the Beechworth Bakery, which was, because Beechworth was a dying town, wasn't it, at the time? They closed all the things. The Beechworth. People recognised <laughs> Mad. They recognised Mad. I, I, I got onto this TV. It was cheaper than radio to do. And this is when everyone watched TV. This is 38 years ago, 37. Yeah, a long time ago. And, uh, and, and uh, but I promoted Beechworth. I invited to Beechworth because I got into Beechworth. I had a chance of getting a dollar out of their pocket. Now everyone comes to Beechworth. It's very trendy. Beechworth today is quite a market. Well, I see you. Well, we are just a country bakery, old fat. But it was, uh, but I invited them to Beechworth. And then, and, and that worked really well. And then I got a few of the other shopkeepers. I, we, so we got banks of us together. A few of us got together and we did uh, three or four business and we all in, promoted our business but invited them to Beechworth and promoted and it was just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But we did a lot on radio and, uh, and, and you know, now it's social media, which leaves me, I, I'm, I'm, you know, because I'm, I'm not techo, I'm, I'm, but my people are, you know, but uh, I'm not. People, I shouldn't tell you this, but people talk to me on LinkedIn and all this stuff, and I don't know who they're talking to, but it ain't me. <laughs> I'm never allowed to tell anyone this, so I hope you haven't got too many people watch your show. But I, I but, but it's all about social media. You got to go with the, you know, that's that's the medium today. You know, like. Uh, so, uh, so Tom, um, if you had to look at the the, the Tomo tool that started off in that one little bakery. And the, and the Tomo tool today, what, what do you think have been the most important changes in you? Because the people watching this will be people who, you know, are aspirational. They, you know, rather than watching some silly program on TV, they'll listen to this as a podcast and say, you know, this guy admits that he, he wasn't the, the bright, the, what, the sharpest tool in the shed, uh, but he actually was. <laughs> I, I, I had to change my attitudes. I, I, had to, I had to work on myself. That's been the hardest. And I've got to work on myself every day. It's like BO. If you don't work on yourself, if you don't wash every day, by the end of the week, you're a bit smelling. If you don't work on yourself every day, just a little bit every day, uh, you know, you just, look, uh, poverty needs no plan. 
Poverty need no, look, it is so easy to be negative because it requires no effort at all. And with just COVID and everything, it's so easy to rent your headspace out to it all. Look, uh, you know, uh, I, 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 I use the, the serenity, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can. And that's it, the courage to change the thing. The only thing I can change is myself and my attitudes and, and, and the wisdom to know that I can't change anybody else. So I've got to work on me. Read something that'll help you. Try to read something every day, just a little bit. But I wreck my books. I'll write, I'd write notes all in them in the song, but because my head will decipher a little bit different. So ideas. But look, um, yeah, invest in yourself. And a lot of us don't invest in us. We're all waiting out there for that magic one, waiting for, for the government to do it, blaming the government. Uh, don't blame them. You know, don't blame Train them. Train yourself to stop renting your heads. Look, worrying is just uh, negative goal setting, really. It, it, no good worrying. You know, it's, I used to worry. I used to worry, how am I going to meet the payments? How am I going to, boy, oh boy, I had all these bills. And, 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 and worrying is just negative goal setting. So, look, goal setting was a big part of getting me out of me. And you go back to something else there before, how did I learn? By I opened my bakery up to lots of, lots of bakeries years ago, everyone, no one would let anyone into their bake because it's all secret, all my secret recipes and, and this and that. So no one hardly, I invited bakers to come in to my place and I learned from them and they, they'd never, some of these bakers had never had another baker go through them and they'd invite me to their bakeries and I'd go in and I'm like, wow, they're doing something. So I learned, the more I give, the more I get in all areas. And that's with my speaking, the more I give, the more I get in all areas of my life, you know, uh, in all areas of my life, the more I get, the more I get. And I learned that off other people, but I had to change my attitudes. I had to, I had to, I had to uh, learn to think big. Uh, uh, you know, the magic of thinking big, a book I loved, I read it many times. I, I often say to people that, you know, it's a really good idea to do a, a SWOT analysis on your business, looking at your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities and your threats and trying to work out what your plan is going forward. But over the years, listening to you then, I've, I've often said, do a SWOT on yourself. You know, what, as an individual, what are your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats? And I'm sure you've done that rather than doing it formally, but you're doing it by being objective about yourself. But have you, have you then as a consequence of looking at your weaknesses and your threats thought, who am I going to get to help me beat these weaknesses so I can stay in my strength zone? Because you, your strength zone is, is marketing and, and thinking through how you can build Beechworth up. But when you've recognised your weaknesses, have you gone looking for someone? And I know, Christine, you know, without her, you'd be complete failure. Looking at you two, I've always said, behind every successful man is a very surprised woman. Yeah. <laughs> very surprised mother-in-law um <laughs> behind every, yes and uh it is so true you know look i i did i um i wanted to grow the business now no one else was really keen to grow the business my team weren't christine we had a couple of little kids with four kids two from my first marriage and they you know, they they were three and five when their mother left them, and and uh, anyway, so we had 
four kids and she wasn't that keen to grow and the kids, they're little boys. And they're, what, what do you want to... Anyway, but I had to ask for help. And that, and even in the early days when my wife left, that's been the hardest thing in business all the way. And that's been my greatest learning is to ask for help. And if people often ask me, what would you do different today? And I would ask for help earlier. Don't wait till you get in the shit. Ask for help. And that's what I did when my wife left and I was in a mess because I had to hardly had the ability to sign a check. I had... I've learned to spell a bit now and I can write quite, you know, and all that. Uh, I can't use a calculator and uh, a computer. I don't use a computer, uh, but I have other people to do all that stuff. But um, I asked for help with Lifeline and I got a lot of cancelling and then I, I, I needed to ask for help for my business. So at that time, it was business thinking systems. It was a, a crowd, they long gone out of business there. Their, their, their owner got locked up in jail and their co-owner got locked up and don't worry, but anyway. But they were great. They'd have a facilitator come in, a mentor, and he'd sat with our team and they said, all right, Tom wants to stop running this business on chaos. I was it. I ran it. I was I, was, I run the whole show. You know, I, so they sat down and they said, well, we've got to get everything out of Tom's head onto paper. And and they did that over over many weeks and 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 so we documented and there was marketing there was there was ordering there was uh baking there was uh, customer service there was all these different divisions in our business so we broke every division down and all them jobs into every every division every job in that in that say in baking oven temperatures everything document uh, and customer service everything and so it became like a manual on the business i was it did kind of manual on the business but so this uh, mentor then he said and then the, my man my my staff who weren't managing that they were my team and they put up my hands well i'll take on ordering and I thought, oh, that's okay. Oh, I always did that. And then somebody else, oh, I'll take on on there. And then I thought, hey, geez, what, what am I going to have left to do? And in the end, I had nothing to do. I was redundant. I made myself redundant. Everyone put their hand up. And uh, and then so this the, the mentor, uh, the he, he he would say, all right, um, uh, uh, Pauline, what are you going to do? Uh, you 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 you've agreed to do these three jobs in the next week. In the next fortnight, you'll uh, 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 contact this. You'll get that. You'll do this. And Harry, you will do this, this, and this. And they would put it on paper that document. And and so he'd come back in two weeks' time and said, "All right, Pauline, how do you go with your three goals and three jobs that you said that you would?" And sometimes they hadn't did nothing, so they were bloody useless. And then other peer times. Yes, I did that and did more, and uh, and so that's how we I they I got them to take that ownership with a mentor with help. I think everyone needs a coach. Marty, my business partner, he belongs to a CEO group. I think that's what it's called. Yep. It cost me a lot of money. It does. It costs a business a lot, but it's great. I think. Look, all these Olympians. I don't watch the Olympian. I don't watch. I have never believed. I don't 
waste time in sport. I've always had time, not into sport. But they need a coach. Everyone needs a coach. And and uh, I, look, it was one of the hardest things I ever had to do was to ask for help in my personal life and in my business life is to ask for help is one of the hardest, Tom, one of the best things you, I've ever done. Yeah, listening to you then, it, it reminded me of one of the big lessons I got being on the speaking circuit, listening to really, you know, successful business people and sometimes even good business coaches who might not actually own the business themselves. But what they, they did for you and what I learned to do was to stop just working in the business but start to have the time to work on the business. And that's why I guess when you started thinking about rather than having one Beechworth bakery, how many can I have and all that sort of stuff you weren't doing because you were so busy Baking bread and yelling at people. So busy in there doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it all the time. I had to learn to let, and and that's it. Marty's really good at working on the business, and he can work in it, but he can really grow. And that's the whole skill. And that was a skill, especially in the baking game. Lots of bakers are great bakers, great at working in the bake, but to work on it, working on the marketing. But you know, look, you've got to have a good product. You haven't got a good product. You know, that's the foundation and you've got to have good people. My business is about people. Uh, I think all businesses are about people, but it's it's uh, it's uh, it's about working on the business. Tom, one thing that surprises me about some bakeries I go to is that when you buy the product, it's crap. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah. But it doesn't taste good. And how, how important is it? To well, get customer you've got to ask yourself, will this bring the customer back? And a crap product won't bring the customer <laughs> well, back. Well, I would not much apple. Won't bring the customer No, you've got to always ask, will, will this bring the customer back? You've got to build that culture to always see through the customer's eyes. You've got to build that. Would you, you're all my staff, and I was, oh, I was shocked and like they're terrible. And I'd, I would get pretty dramatic because I'm a baker and and my staff, that we had three ovens and they'd be, and I'd see them sending up this, oh, yeah, I could, I'll give you one example. I remember this apple pies. They'd pull this uh, tray of apple pies out and uh, I don't know whether they were undercooked or, or overbaked. I'm not sure, one or the other. And they were just ready to take them up the shop. And they had them on the bench, on the on the table, on the. and I'm working. So, and I come up and I said, where, where? and I said, are you going to take them up? And I start, I said, look, if, if you wouldn't buy it, don't expect anyone else to buy it. Would you buy it? And they said, no. I said, and I get so dramatic and I hit the apple pies and there's hot apples. Bloody splattered over all of us. I'll never forget. And uh, oh God, because I got splattered as well. But it was so dramatic. Look, if you wouldn't buy it, you know, I used to say, "Look, would would you like your mother? Would you like your mother to buy that?" And I'd say, "No." Well, I said, "Bloody oh, don't expect anyone else's mother to buy it." Then, if you wouldn't buy it, don't sell it. And 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 sometimes I'd see my staff. This, I honestly, I would see my staff. Chucking stuff in the bin, and when veins would start sticking out of me neck, and I start frothing it, and my eyes would be popping. What are you doing? They said, "They said, well, I wouldn't buy it." I said, "Well, bloody look, it's only half burned. Cut, sell the other half, or bloody." But they chuck it, and they still do it today. Oh, you know, and I, I see them doing. I'm thinking, oh, but then some of them. Do still, oh, the pie's a bit dried out or something. 
and they still sell it. Oh, it drives me nuts if, if, if it's not, if, yeah. So, uh, yeah, look, it's a real thing. If you wouldn't buy it, don't sell it, you know. So it works for us. It works. That's where you have built the business. All right, Tom, the fact you've expanded and you've now got eight outlets, um, how do you, how do you um, ensure that the quality that established in Beechworth is reproducible and is actually happening right across the eight networks, eight matrix networks? Our, uh, Beck, who's second in charge, she gets around to see all the managers. The managers all have link up and Zoom and that. But we do send, uh, we just, last week we had Gary from Beechworth. He was over in Echuca working for a few days. He comes back and he tells me, oh, they're doing this different. I said, oh, Gary, I don't want to know. I'm the old grey man, don't tell me. But he, he said, oh, I've told the others. But anyway, but he said the percentage is a bit different. So we are watching that all the time. Marty, my business gets to the other businesses, some of them three and four hour, you know, Ballarat's about a four hour drive, Atruca's two hour, Bendigo's two and a half hour, Hillsville's about three hours. Um, so look, it's uh, with, with technology today, uh, you know, everything, so you can, you can uh, zoom on a product and say, look, we're doing this. We have measurements. There's all the systems and procedures to keep it uh, hopefully all in that Beechworth culture. We, this is what we do and this is how we do it. It's not, oh, but Tom, don't bloody about Tom. Tom hasn't been in the business for over 20 years. Forget about him. You know, this is how we do it, you know, and uh, some of them have still got this old idea. Oh, Tom wouldn't like that, but, oh, gee, forget so about it. In a it. sense, you, you've systemised the business. So Tom O'Toole, the old Tom O'Toole, is no longer there, but the the new and improved Tom O'Toole. Oh, yeah, the culture is very much there. The yeah. culture is, uh, it's, they still have me on video and that, and I've got dark hair and a dark moustache, and I shaved my moustache off. I said, I'm retiring from speaking. I shaved it off uh, in in last year, at the start of last year, went on a seven-week cruise, and my come out of the bar, my wife said, what are you doing? I said, I've retired. She said, what, bloody hell? She didn't like me without it. But anyway, I, I've grown it back on, but I'm not going back to work. But um, I, the Tomo tool, it is run on that culture of seeing it through the customer's eyes, you know. And, oh, yeah, Tom, it's been a great pleasure talking to you. We are out of time. If people want to know more about the great Tomo tool, I'm sure there's a great website they can go to. Oh, there is, yeah, it's on bucket if I know what it is. It's done. <laughs> Google Tomo Tool. That's the way we'll do it. Google. But, uh, look, you've got to set goals that will stretch you. And I set that goal to that stretched us big time to grow our business. Um, uh, and, and, and it's been a terrific journey. And it's still going on today, but uh, you've got to set goals that will stretch you. Goals hold you accountable. You know, goals, uh, you know, make a statement to yourself that you're, you refuse to be ordinary. You've got to set goals. You've got to set goals. But anyway, Peter, thanks for being great. Great to see you. That was Tom O'Toole. As you can work out, he's a very interesting and inspiring character. Thanks for joining us this week. If you want to know more about what we do here, go to switzer.com.au. Thanks for joining us again. Talk to you next week. Quentin Tom! Quentin Tom! Thank you.